Morning, church. How you doing? Good. Good to see you. My name is Garrett Berkeley. For those of you that don't know, I'm the pastor of the young adult ministry here. I'm going to be speaking this morning. Yeah, young adults. Okay, there's a few. Um, if you are new here this morning, welcome. Uh, we are in the middle. We're one week in to a 21 day. Uh, 21 days of prayer and fasting, making space, making room for God. So before I began with my message, I wanted to put the pressure on you guys. I want to hear a few testimonies about how the first week has gone. So we have some microphones. We have a microphone up there. We have a microphone here. I'd love to hear two, from two or three of you just a very brief Anything, maybe 30 seconds at the most of just what has God done this week? It could be uh, that things have been going really well, that God did something amazing. It could be a struggle. You might have failed a day uh, and then and God kind of brought you back into something. But we'd love to hear just some testimonies so we can just feel united. So raise your hand if you have something you can share. I actually decided on January 1st I would start this fast, and I gave up snacks. You have to understand that I ate snacks three to four or five times a day. And it hasn't mattered where I have gone so far. I have been faithful to that, and God has helped me. Praise God. Anyone else? I'll wait as long as you will. We need two more. So I kind of traditional. I uh, um, after doing the 2020 fast, which was just a three-day food fast, which I'd never done before, um, I decided to start and do that again, and did a three-day fast without food, um, just to get closer to God. And what was really unexpected was the after two days, I decided to go out cross-country skiing, and. And the route I would normally take and do twice, halfway through the first lap, I had no energy. I had to stop, catch my breath. And I just realized how much I depended on God for everything, for sustenance, for food, for breath, and how fast when his support is removed, that all just goes away. And uh, it was just amazing. So I didn't try that again until I had eaten for a few days. Uh, <laughs> And, and it came right back, but uh, but uh, all the way, I would just stop and rest probably every half mile and just say another prayer to God, saying, thank you for everything that you do to sustain me. Awesome. Praise God. Anyone else? Someone from the balcony? Yep. I'm going to be like one of those who am representing some of you who got to the middle of the week and then forgot to keep up with the covenant I made last Sunday. And the purpose of church is to gather again and remind ourselves who we believe, why we believe, and what we believe. And so I hope to do better this week with my time and encouraging those of you who maybe didn't do so well last week to join me in trying to do better this week in listening to God talk to us as we take more time for him in our daily life. Yeah, awesome. 
And that's actually, I wanted to encourage people with that same word too, of whether you're new, uh, just with us for the first time today, or if you just forgot, <laughs> it's okay. Just, you can start up with us now. We have two weeks left. You don't have to just wait for next year to get the full 21 days. <laughs> All right. Okay. So let's start with Revelation 19, 9 through 10. And the angel said to me, write this. Blessed are those who are invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he said to me, these are the true words of God. Then I fell down at his feet to worship him. But he said to me, you must not do that. I am a fellow servant with you and your brothers who hold the testimony of Jesus. Worship God. For the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. For the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. Let's pray. Jesus, we welcome you into this room. We acknowledge you as our creator. We acknowledge you as holy. Lord, as we read this scripture and we try to wrap our minds around testifying and testifying of your good work. Show us the importance of this. We need you, God. In Jesus' name, amen. So in this passage, the angel is saying that he has the testimony of Jesus just like us. We're we're witnesses, we're messengers of God's word, just like the angels are. I think of all the times that the angels in the Bible came to people and um, they had messages and they weren't speaking their own words, right? They're speaking the words of God. They're testifying of Jesus as our fellow servants of God. And so I know I just kind of did this a minute ago. I was asking about specific testimonies about the fast, But I just want to give you a second to think. If I just gave you this microphone right now and asked you to testify to the church, what would you say? What would you have on your heart? What would that look like? What is a testimony to you? We all have different backgrounds. We have different ideas of different things. But if I gave you the mic and asked you to testify to the church, what would that look like to you? So I put together a list of four things that probably cover what most of us think um, a testimony is. Number one, probably the most popular, your personal faith story of how you became a Christian. Number two, a story or an event where God intervened. For some people, maybe in more uh, traditional settings in church, testifying could look like reading scripture. For some people, it might mean more of a prophetic message or like interpreting or reciting God's promises. And so I I use the word prophetic. That's not a word that we need to be afraid of, okay? Um, It is a biblical concept. It's a biblical act. Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians 14 that we should seek the gifts of the Holy Spirit, especially prophecy. At its core, prophecy is speaking the word of God. Speaking truth. 
So all these four, they're all right answers. Um, I understand that, but most of us will probably associate with one more than the other. I grew up with kind of that first definition of it being like a personal uh, faith story, where you were before you knew Jesus and where you are now. And I struggled for years. It's kind of stupid to think about now, but you know, when I was a teenager and in youth group, we'd have guest speakers come. They'd be telling their testimony, and it was always really extreme. There's always someone who was like, I was addicted to meth when I was five years old, and I was going to burn down my house, and then Jesus came, and he rescued me, and now I'm a pastor. You know, and I'm always like, oh, that's so cool. Oh, I wish I had that testimony. Oh. But that's not how we should be approaching testimonies. <laughs> um, I was reading in Relevant Magazine, which is a Christian magazine geared towards uh, younger generations, this article by Becca Vandekamp. I just want to read this snippet. The way we do testimonies needs to change. If we are still trying to make church, faith, and Christian living real, testimonies need to get real too. We can't act like our struggles magically disappear when we accept Christ. Anything but the truth does a disservice to ourselves, to truth, and to each other. So I want to speak today about the importance and the spiritual nature of testimony. And I kind of want to highlight that spiritual aspect of testimony. So when we testify, we communicate what we have seen, heard, or experienced that God has done. We become witnesses of God's work. We're called witnesses by Jesus, right? He, he, Jesus called his disciples witnesses before he ascended. We just finished the study in Acts. You'll maybe remember all the way back, Acts 1. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. So notice, the witnessing happens after we receive the Holy Spirit. Witnessing and testifying the works of the Lord is a physical and a spiritual act. So, I want to go through five things that happen when we testify. Five things that happen when we share our testimony. Number one, it's the obvious. When we testify, we magnify and glorify the Godhead. Psalm 105 says, give praise to the Lord. Proclaim his name. Make known among the nations what he has done. Sing to him. Sing praise to him. Tell of all his wonderful acts. This is clearly just a, a humble acknowledgement that God is the author of truth and all good things. Number two, we create a memorial of God's mercy and grace in our lives. Now, if you're anything like me, you can look back in your history and you can just see God intervening at all, like almost every day. If my life was just a book, I know that there would just be a stamp of God on every single page. So I like to think, I think most of us have probably been to like a war memorial park where they have like a big 
wall or a big rock or a statue and there's names and there's dates and there's stories that are written into this rock that tell the stories of the war. And so I like to kind of picture my heart and my mind in that same way of having these God stories ingrained on my heart. And that I can, I can always go back to the things that God has done and worked in me and through me. Another example of this is Exodus 16. We're reading about the Israelites. They're traveling through the desert. They're complaining of being hungry. And they were, they're like days away from just being slaves. And they're already saying, oh, I wish we could go back to just being slaves because we're so hungry. And then they start receiving bread and quail from heaven during the day. And God tells them not to keep any extra overnight for the next day. Why? Because God wants them to be relying on him every single day. He doesn't want them keeping some extra bread under their bed just in case God doesn't show up. He's asking them to trust him every day for what they need. And so I want to see what God tells them to do next once he's providing the bread. So Exodus 16.31, The people of Israel called the bread manna. It was white like coriander seed and tasted like wafers made with honey. Moses said, this is what the Lord has commanded. Take an omer of manna and keep it for the generations to come so they can see the bread I gave you to eat in the wilderness when I brought you out of Egypt. So Moses said to Aaron, take a jar and put an omer of manna in it then place it before the Lord to be kept for the generations to come. As the Lord commanded Moses, Aaron put the manna with the tablets of the covenant law so that it might be preserved. The Israelites ate manna 40 years until they came to a land that was settled. They ate manna until they reached the border of Canaan. So God commanded Moses to put some manna in a jar and place it in the Ark of the Covenant where God was dwelling in the tabernacle at the time. The other name of the Ark of the Covenant, Ark of the Testimony. They're preserving their miracle in the Ark of the Testimony. They're preserving this for the next generations. Their past and current miracle was going to be an inheritance for the future generations. Isn't that amazing? Just a side note. The Jews reading this story and, and seeing, uh, keeping their promises with this wooden box, the, the Ark of the Testimony, they would have absolutely seen the parallel um, with the stories of Noah and Moses. God didn't tell Noah to build a boat. There was a different word for boat. He told him to build an ark, a wooden box. And Moses didn't float down the Nile River into Pharaoh's property in a basket. He was floating down the Nile in an ark. So these key points where God is sending his promises to his people, he's sending it through the ark. Anyway, let's get back. All right, number three. 
things that happen when we share our testimony. We inspire faith to rise in ourselves and others. Not only does your testimony, not only can it lead to someone else having a personal encounter with Jesus, but we're raising our own faith too. I saw on this, uh, the webs, uh, website for an AA group, Alcoholics Anonymous. They were sharing pretty much this exact point. They said, sharing your experience, strength, and hope is how testimony is described in 12-step fellowships. This practice has been done since recovery meetings started in 1939. They innately knew the power of one alcoholic sharing their experience and, and recovery with another alcoholic. This was a key component to the foundation of the 12-step support groups that have helped millions recover from addiction. Another example of this is Paul in Philippians 1. Um, when he's, he's in captivity and he's preaching to everyone around him. And everyone around him, their, their faith rises. If, uh, Philippians 1.13, as a result... It has become clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. And because of my chains, most of the brothers and sisters have become confident in the Lord and dare all the more to proclaim the gospel without fear. I think that's so cool. And then a way that we can inspire uh, faith to rise in ourselves, an example of that we see with David before he went to fight Goliath. He's going into battle, he's preparing himself, and he begins to recite the things that God has done for him in the past to inspire and to raise his faith in this moment to fight the giant. First Samuel 17, he says, The Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and from the paw of the bear He will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. So he's about to go into battle and he just, he takes a moment and he's just remembering, God, you, you came in at this time. You came in at this time. You rescued me. You provided. You did it then. You're going to do it again now. Number four, we cause a prophetic release for someone else. Testifying the work of the Lord, you give others the option to receive that testimony for themselves. They now stand on the same confidence that you stand on. Sharing your testimony, your ceiling becomes someone else's floor. Does that make sense? The psalmist said, I have inherited your testimonies forever. For they are the joy of my heart. That's Psalms 119. I have inherited your testimonies forever. For they are the joy of my heart. This is a concept I think about a lot, especially with, with parenting. And I know that everyone, um, in some ways needs to fight their own battles. But I absolutely believe that the work that God has done in your life, you can pass that on to others. The spiritual breakthroughs that I've had, I know that I, I can pass that on to my children. 
I was addicted to pornography for over a decade. Absolutely stuck in filth. And I just pray that God does the same work that he did in me through my boys. I remember literally feeling like withdrawal symptoms, feeling shaky. It took months, but God was faithful and he brought me through it. He restored me and I'm transformed by the renewing of my mind. And I just want to say that if there's people in this room or online that are stuck in pornography, I know that there's some of you out there. You can have my testimony. There's spiritual breakthrough for you. I know what that's like. I know you're stuck. And you can live a seemingly normal life and just be stuck in this garbage. But I give my testimony to you. I'm telling you that God is faithful and he will bring you through it. Number five of things that happen when we testify. We overcome the enemy. Revelation twelve eleven, And they overcame and conquered him because of the blood of the lamb. And because of the word of their testimony. For they did not love their life and renounce their faith even when faced with death. Our testimonies are a weapon against evil, church. One last verse I want to share. Psalm 107. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. For his mercy is everlasting. The redeemed of the Lord shall say so. Those whom he has redeemed from the hand of the enemy. Church, have you been redeemed? Have you been rescued? Have you been delivered? Then say so. Speak up. Tell someone. Tell your neighbor. Tell your coworker. Tell your family. Tell your kids. I don't care how old your kids are. They need to know what you've been through. Give them your testimony. If you've been redeemed, you need to say so. Will you please stand before we worship? I am all for speaking to people about the person of Jesus. I'm all for laying out the gospel.
to people. That's absolutely a biblical mandate from Jesus in the Great Commission. But my message to you today is that one of the most powerful ways that we can speak Jesus is to tell people what God has done in you and through you. We are God's witnesses and we do not have the right to remain silent. Let's worship.